I'm Don Durham, and welcome to Patent Pod. Alternative Education for Disruptive Youth, or AEDY, is a temporary placement in Pennsylvania. We recognize the challenges surrounding the requirement of administering a behavior assessment and creating the alignment to intervention and the creation of measurable goals that will inevitably determine whether or not the student remains in this placement. Our goal today is to provide evidence-based strategies to assist in the direct instruction of behavioral strategies for students who may have skill deficits surrounding behavior. Joining us to help workshop this content is Dr. Tim Noster from the McDowell Institute at Bloomsburg University. Tim, thanks so much for joining Patent Pod again. We're excited to have another conversation with you. Let me ask you this, you know, as we continue our work towards determining a root cause to support at-risk students, can you kind of give us, as, give us as a field some recommendations related to in the integration of trauma-informed practices as a tier one or core practice in support of these settings that we're talking about today? Sure, absolutely, and it's a pleasure to, to be back with you, Dawn, so thanks for having me back. Um, so I guess probably what makes the most sense is uh, just kind of reconnecting with some of the basics of trauma-informed approaches in the classroom or in school-based school settings. And then we can kind of tag on some things that uh, one would want to go uh, deeper and broader with, with respect to particular uh, kiddos that might be in AEDY types of uh, settings. So when we talk about the core classroom-based kind of tier one preventative trauma-informed approaches, uh, we're talking about uh, issues or things such as building rapport, connection with kids, which is absolutely essential. That generalizes to any kid, not just kids in AEDY programs, but most particularly since that's what we're talking about today, we'll hone in on that. Having clarity of uh, positively stated expectations that reflect life skills as well as socially responsible behavior or social emotional learning types of targets that are in there, mm -hmm. things that align with uh, Pennsylvania's career ready skills very explicitly. And we can kind of maybe drill down a little deeper on that as well uh, later on. Uh, we'd wanna have a, a high density of what would be referred to as behavior specific praise, mm -hmm. uh, ideally achieving a four to one ratio with individual kids in terms of uh, behavior specific praise for meeting expectations for every one time that you might have to redirect a particular student for uh, behavioral problems. And then also um, to increase uh, motivation and engagement, having a high density or level of what are referred to as opportunities to respond and mm -hmm. really uh, differentiating or not necessarily differentiating, but differing um, the array of different ways that you provide opportunities uh, to respond uh, for students. Um, related to those things, just those core practices, uh, we do have a couple of uh, what I refer to as grab-and-go resources here through the McDowell Institute um, to help classroom teachers in general with some self-reflective activities following instruction to kind of check in on those core trauma-informed approaches. And um, one of those tools is referred to as the Baker's Dozen Trauma-Informed Classroom Management Self-Assessment. And uh, it's my understanding that that's going to be uh, available to uh, AEDY teachers through uh, Schoology. Um, so that'll be a resource that is posted up there. 
Then when we think, though, specifically about uh, kids in AEDY programs or placements, what we need to do is augment those things, given their history, their personal narratives, and essentially how they ended up being placed into, into an AEDY setting by really explicitly teaching kids about risk and protective factors in their lives, as well as how their own stress response system works. Uh, because obviously, based on the nature of the placement they're in, that's been a challenge in their life experiences to date. Um, and rather than to presume that kids are just going to figure that out on their own, we've kind of learned with particular kids that are in ADY placements that that's not happened kind of vicariously by itself. Yeah. So we need to provide uh, explicit instruction. And we can kind of drill down on those areas a little bit, too, as we go along here. But you know, in terms of in response to your first question, it's really those core trauma-informed practices of connection and rapport, clarity of expectations with embedded social-emotional learning in there or things that align with PA career-ready skills, um, high density of behavior-specific praise, and then lots of opportunities for to respond so that kids are not passively engaged in their education uh, while they're in the AEDY program. You know, Tim, I appreciate you kind of circling back and kind of giving us that summary of those core practices. One of the things that you had mentioned, you know, very on the, on the onset of this, this conversation was these are core preventative factors. These are things that are beneficial for all of our students, no matter the placement, but particularly if we're in a temporary placement because of some um, less than desirable behavioral choices, um, but really being preventative in nature. And I did, you know, I appreciate that you talked about explicit instruction and in teaching students to recognize their own risk and protect protective factors. What actually sets you to a point where you do feel like you're escalating? How do we recognize that? How do we de-escalate? And how do we create a self-awareness of ourselves as, as learners in an environment, um, as individuals in an environment, to kind of adjust and account for that? So I thank you for really making sure we talked about being preventative in nature and having that explicit instruction about ourselves and how valuable and important and necessary that really is. So I want to kind of keep going on this train of thought. You know, so we're talking about teaching, um, reinforcing, supporting these concepts of self-regulation, self-awareness, and kind of making this part of a daily routine. How do we, and maybe you can kind of walk us through this, how do we educate and provide professional development or professional learning for our teachers to embed these concepts into secondary classrooms kind of organically, not just in isolation? Right. So... I mean, that you're, you're exactly right. The, the practices that I highlighted before are kind of those universal preventative approaches. So they create kind of like building a house. They create the foundation upon which you can then uh, further build uh, walls, ceilings, add on an addition or do whatever you want to do with, the, with it. But you've got to be on a stable foundation. Without that stable foundation, you end up problem solving and retrofitting constantly on an ongoing basis. Mm -hmm. And this is, in my experience, is one of the biggest challenges when working with kids that have history of behavioral uh, issues or behavioral problems, is that we end up almost becoming increasingly myopically focused on what do I do after the fact? And instead of having that, what we would look for, that ideal balance of at a minimum 80% of our time being preventative in nature and no more than 20% of our time being interventive or responding, what happens is we get an imbalance here where it ends up being 50-50 or worse yet, 
an inverse relationship where we're so focused on how do I redirect, how do I respond, et cetera, et cetera, as opposed to saying the best way to address problem behavior is to minimize the chance that it occurs in the first place. So you can get this kind of uh, disproportionate level of focus on responding to undesired behavior. And as a result, uh, you lose focus on the preventative pieces. Now, that's not to suggest that naively that um, that you're not going to have to be able to redirect undesired behavior. Of course, that's going to need to occur and you need to be able to do that in a systematic fashion. But there's core ways to redirect problem behavior. It's not about getting out um, bigger, stronger interventions to redirect. It's the same basic redirection procedure when they occur. The real solution set is in the prevention side. So if, those, if that foundation of those trauma-informed approaches are in place, it decreases the likelihood that you're going to have a disproportionate level of situations where you have to respond to problem behavior in the first place. Now, in tandem with that, though, the thing that I think is absolutely essential, and I touched on this a little bit earlier, is to actually provide direct instruction to kids um, in or with respect to risk and protective factors that are in their, in their life circumstances. So when we think about that, there's lots of ways to kind of carve it or, or break it down. Um, and I like to always try to connect th things to things that are already existent or known. So I'm going to do that. Um, most people, particularly probably in AEDY programs, are familiar with the Pennsylvania Youth Survey or what's referred to as the PAYS. And the PAYS obviously is a very uh, an instrument that yields a lot of rich information. But the PACE kind of cuts across a number of broad domains when it looks at risk and protective factors in kids' lives. Um, it looks at the domains of things like community, family, um, school, of course, uh, or you could put education, school placement, and then also kind of individual things unique to that particular kiddo, as well as the peer group that they interact with. So one of, the, one of the resources we've developed, along with that Baker's Dozen I referred to earlier, are a couple of grab-and-go tools that are somewhat self-tutorial for teachers to be able to use. Um, the first of those uh, is entitled Balancing Protective Versus Risk Factors. And what it does is it takes those four broad domains based on some previous work by communities that care and it takes those four domains and one, it provides examples or illustrations of risk and protective factors for kids. And then the instructor would guide that particular student through kind of self-reflecting on their own life circumstances across uh, community, family, school, as well as their in themselves and their peer groups to identify themselves through reflection, what are some of the risk and protective factors in my life? Um, what are the things that have kind of gotten me to where I'm at right now? And if my goal is to be successful moving forward, how can I start to then think about those risk and protective factors and actually, frankly, take more control over my own life circumstances? Because the bottom line is each of us drive our own car in our life. Um, and the sooner we start to engage kids that are struggling with that and explicitly understanding that what's occurred in the past has occurred, 
but that is not manifest destiny to what will occur in the future. I would argue also this is an ideal way to start to nip into the bud the school to prison pipeline by actually explicitly addressing these types of issues. So the first tool just orients um, students through teacher guidance to looking at risk and protective factors in their own life. And then the second companion tool, also kind of designed as a grab and go, these are not really thick voluminous documents. They're, they're like a page of guidance for the teacher and a one page worksheet for the student to work on, um, is a mapping process where the student through some guidance can actually identify things they can do starting tomorrow to increase the degree of protective factors in their lives to either one, reduce the number of risk factors, or two, if the, some of those risk factors are just not immediately addressable, to at least mitigate the adverse impact that those risk factors have. So, for example, um, you know, if one of the, the major risk factors identified has to do with the living environment that I reside within and something with a family dynamic. Well, even if that is addressable, it's probably not addressable in the next 24 hours, you know, barring or short of any major crisis intervention that would occur, right, as a result of something that, that could be quite dangerous. Um, so we might be just trying to offset or try to mitigate, reduce the adverse impact that that risk factor has by expanding um, a, a, the kind of array of engagement um, with different people and or engaging in new types of activities or engaging in new types of uh, things that might be more helpful and conducive to helping us kind of get on a trajectory that leads us to success. So those kind of grab and go tools are really valuable to have. Um, there are very extensive resources, of course, in the field out there. Um, but what I found is that, you know, the grab and go stuff tends to get uh, you know, teachers or educators or counselors or whomever uh, started kind of in a in a direction that makes sense. And then they can always build on that as they go forward. So, again, to kind of roll back to the beginning of that foundation are those core trauma informed approaches. Um, the types of things I'm talking about in terms of explicitly teaching about risk and protective factors and helping kids learn how to build more protective factors in their lives does not replace that foundation. It builds upon that foundation. If that foundation isn't there and isn't stable, you're not gonna have the, the same level of desired impact by teaching kids about say risk and protector factors in their life. If day in and day out when they come to school, they view that as a risk factor mm -hmm. because you know, they're not um, you know, uh, experiencing any type of a nurturing, encouraging, educative approach it's more punitive and reactive and almost kind of uh, pre-prison uh, pre end of things in terms of if you continue on this trajectory, here's where you're going to end up. That's not what education is about. Um, so this is the best way to kind of also from a societal lens kind of uh, nip in the bud or at least redirect that school to prison pipeline piece as well with these particularly marginalized youth that we're talking about in AEDY programs. Yeah, and that, that's our goal, right? That's really our goal is to minimize that aspect. And, you know, you, you mentioned this 80-20. That's, that's minimally 80% of preventative measures and 20% of being more responsive. 
And we don't always see that kind of equating in, in the um, school environments or the school settings that our students are in. Um, you also talked about, you know, really this comes down to minimizing the opportunities for in the environment or the situation to lead to an escalation of behavior, but really working on not getting to that point. And, and you had talked about this comes down to one, building those foundational skills, those foundational core practices, absolutely a must, to then add on these self-reflection pieces um, and to really think about reducing those risk factors for ourselves, for our students, reducing the risk factors and increasing, and how do we increase those protective factors? And you mentioned these grab and go tools from the McDowell Institute. So thank you for letting us know that that's, that is a, that's a go-to resource. And I appreciate the recognition that while it's great to read through large <laughs> pieces of text, it's not always feasible um, and not always kind of in bite-sized information that we can take and put into practice. So I'm glad that um, you and your, your colleagues at the McDowell Institute have really given us some grab-and-go resources for that purpose. So I want to pivot for just a minute here. So keeping on the idea that we're talking about evidence-based strategies, and you've been so um, kind and generous with your information and letting us know what does that look like and how do we build that into our everyday daily practice, how does this help us, or maybe you can offer some suggestions on recommendations on how we write measurable goals to kind of track, are we being effective? How's our daily progress towards these goals? How do we workshop through that? Sure, happy to do that. Um, so I had alluded to this before with respect to one of those four core trauma-informed practices in terms of establishing expectations. Mm -hmm. I had uh, alluded to, um, that they would or that ideally they would reflect um you know kind of general life skills as well as socially responsible behavior or social emotional learning and then kind of at least tossed out there the the connection or alignment of that with pennsylvania's mm -hmm. uh or the pa career ready skills so arguably what i would say trying to keep things as simple and linear as possible for folks is take the pa career ready skills um, they're broken across bands. So, of course, when we're talking about AEDY, we're probably talking about the upper grade bands, either the six to eight grade band or the nine to 12. Most of the kids are going to be nine to 12. But mm -hmm. I do know there's some younger kids also in AEDY programs. But use those as kind of the North Star or the navigational device, because it is highly likely that if not every, the majority of kids that are in AEDY placements struggle with those career ready skills. Because when you look at them at a finite level, they are basic life skills or socially responsible behavior. So you have the three domains there within the PA career ready skills. The area, you know, at least in terms of Pennsylvania, as we describe them, of self-awareness and self-management, or if you want to term that as self-regulation, that's fine. Awareness is usually a precursor or prerequisite to the regulation. Um, establishing and maintaining relationships is the second broad domain in the PA Career Ready Skills. And then uh, social problem solving is the third domain. Now, for what it's worth, those domi domains al align exactly with the domains um, endorsed by Castle with respect to social emotional learning. No big surprise there. And they also align really well, thus why they're uh, termed the PA Career Ready Skills, with what the uh, employers in community-based settings are talking about. A lot of times they refer to them as the soft skills sometimes, 
Um, these are the things that uh, uh, current workforce and future workforce are concerns um, for them. So when we think about kids in AEDY placements, though, these domains are things that clearly align with what their needs are based on what their life experiences have been so far. So I would say start by looking at those core skills that are identified in the PA career ready skills. So let me give you a concrete illustration. Under self-awareness and self-management, um, you have a skill of being able to identify behavioral expressions um, and feelings of other people when interacting with them or in context is the way it's described um, in the PA career ready skills. Now, there's not going to be a paper or pencil assessment for that. It's not like assessing, can you do two-digit by two-digit multiplication, or can you read a passage for comprehension, or can you dissect and diagraph a sentence, or those types of academic skills. So the real key with this is designing authentic assessments, uh, which is primarily going to be based, I would argue, on two modes of doing um, actually instruction and then assessment in tandem with that for both progress monitoring and ultimate more summative evaluation as you're doing the reviews to determine is a student at a place to be able to transi transition back to a less restrictive environment. Mm -hmm. um, and those authentic assessments are gonna be predominantly comprised of two things within kind of typical classroom settings. Um, that would be use of videos where kids are actually watching video scenarios or vignettes of different um, social interaction patterns. And in turn, they are then identifying what are the expressions and the feelings that are going on or being depicted under those circumstances by the different individuals in the video that they're watching. Related to that, you also would build in what I would call, you know, real life simulations. And by those simulations is it's almost like it's not a role play. A lot of times people confuse role play with simulation. Role plays are somewhat scripted. Simulations are more like improv, if you want to think about it this way, if you go to a comedy act and, and look at improv. So a set of circumstances are presented to a student, and then you as the teacher, for example, and that student go through different interactions based and feeding off of one another in terms of what the circumstances are. Now, those are two kind of approximations to real life measures. The ideal real life measure is to actually observe the student in real life circumstances in real time. But understandably, that you're going to have limited opportunity to do that in the ebb and flow of a typical school day when you're within some type of confine of a structured classroom. This is where use of video and simulated experiences and activities can really come into play. So you might take that um, stem of a skill like identify behavioral expressions that I was alluding to before. So an example of a way to operationalize that um, would be the student would be able to identify behavioral expressions of feelings in context by viewing recorded video excerpts of a targeted individual demonstrating feelings of sadness versus happiness anger versus pleasure and the like, maybe fear versus confidence. <clears throat> and then that for them to be able to identify them with some with 80% of accuracy and to do that multiple times over multiple trials within, say, a five day period. 
So you've got something that is concrete, it's tangible, it's measurable, um, and you can then track progress by probing periodically and doing those types of assessments. So another tool that we've actually developed is just this type of a tool where we've taken those PA career ready skills and translated them into measurable goals for students enrolled in AEDY programs specifically, but you could also generalize this beyond kids in AEDY. <clears throat> and that also will be available up on uh, Schoology as well as I understand. So we've taken all of those three domains of PA career ready skills across the skill sets across grade band six to eight, as well as grade bands nine to 12. And we provided at least one illustration or example of how to operationally define that into measurable terms. Now, of course, there are other ways to do it as well. We've given one example in each area, um, <clears throat> but from our standpoint, we figured that would provide a, 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 you know, a solid foundation as a starting uh, spot for then uh, staff to be able to run with them uh, and tweak them, twist them, you know, spin them a bit uh, based on their uh, educational setting and the like. That's wonderful. One more um, resource to add to the toolbox that you've already provided for us in those grab-and-go tools. You know, we talked about those PA career ready skills. You had said that's your navigational device. I think that's such kind of a great way to capture when we think about measurable goals. What is it we're looking for and how will we determine that? Use those skills. And you had talked about those three domains, self-regulation, the relationships, the social problem solving, and really determine how we want to look at authentic assessments. You had mentioned kind of video vignettes and improv, if you will, simulations to really get at as close to a real life situation as we can to, and then really think about operationalizing those, um, those domains and those goals. So I, I think that's something that we want to keep thinking about is how do we take what we already have in place, these PA career ready skills that are in fact, what it is that our students need to be working towards, how do we use something that's more authentic, aligned to real life situations, how might we operationalize those goals to really see and determine where we need to go with our students um, and our young adults to ensure that they are getting themselves on the right track um, and thinking about continuing to build out those foundational practices in our universal tier one practices and then how do we work through that explicit instruction of self-reflection re, um, reducing risk factors and increasing protective factors so i think i think we've captured that pretty nicely here if, if we want to think about kind of summarizing it all up and you know tim i appreciate that you're, you're always so generous with your knowledge with us and sharing how we want to think about in this case aedy settings and ensuring that we're putting in evidence-based practices so that we know we can be effective in setting students on a more positive trajectory. And, and thank you so much for sharing those grab-and-go tools that you and your colleagues at the McDowell Institute have also been able to put out and assist with us and understanding that they will be available on some Schoology coursework that we have available through Patton. So uh, thank you so much for the work that you're doing and for taking time to have this conversation with us. We really appreciate that. Well, it's my pleasure, Dawn, and I wish everybody out there in AED Y-Land uh, best wishes and uh, good luck with implementation. And again, we at the McDowell Institute are more than happy to help any way we can. Thank you so much, Tim. Thanks thank you lot. to all of you in the field. You are truly an inspiration to us all. A special thank you to John Ragsdale for producing this podcast. We'll see you next time on Patent Pod.